Hi, it's Jacob Hudson, number 92, for your Moncton Wildcats, and you're listening to Wildcast Podcast. Welcome to the Wildcast Podcast, coming to you from Wildcast Studios, with your hosts, Adam Lund and Jeremy Boucher. Welcome back to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast, your unofficial voice for all things Moncton Wildcats. As always, I am your host, Adam, and I am joined by your favorite co-host and mass singer officiato, Mr. Jeremy Boucher. Mr. Boucher... How are you? Very good. I, I don't know what you just called the team. That is, uh, you, you stumble on your. I think yeah. Was, but uh, anyway, Moncton Wildcats. Yeah, stumbled reading. It's hard for me. <laughs> That's the uh, the Alberta education system coming through. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. You know, another these weeks just fly by. It just seems like every day we're in the studio to do another show. But yeah. literally, it's like seven days. It doesn't seem like that at all. No. So that's good. We are uh, 37 days until Christmas. Yep. So one of these episodes, we're going to have another visit from the uh, the big guy, St. Nick. Yeah. We'll have to see if we can give him a call and uh, chat into the uh, chat in the show. Maybe we won't ask for a Memorial Cup this year. We'll uh, maybe no. ask for a playoff spot. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, well, that, that might be, uh, let's look at the... Let's see if I can, because uh, you know he's a pretty busy guy, so I'll have to make the request. See if you can uh, make a request here. Uh, let's. Uh, we'll see if he's going to be available on the uh, episode of the sixteenth of uh, of uh, December. So one month there. Give us one month. We'll see if we can get uh, jolly old Saint Nick on the on the Wildcast podcast. Yeah, that's uh, that. That'd be the big episode. That's the uh, the season halfway through. That's right. Right. That's the so, uh, uh, big show the with big a big mega episode. Yeah, the yeah. recap and looking forward to. Trade deadlines and all that, and maybe a guest from from Big Nick, Big Saint Nick. Uh, man, Group Group A finally got back to going. Uh, it was a final, so the the three uh, they eliminated one to go to the top, the Big Six, I think they were calling it, the top six. Uh, we finally got to see who Snowy Owls were. I didn't have a clue. We were both wrong. Um, I, as it kept going, had no clue. It ended up being. Clint Black and his wife, Lisa Hartman Black. I started with Will Arnett and um, Amy Poehler, and then I was out of guesses, and I kind of was thinking as it kept going, you kind of feel a country vibe. So I was thinking Vince Gill and uh, and his wife, Amy Grant, but yeah. I was way off. <laughs> I was way off. My uh, Barack and Michelle Obama was, uh, you know, clearly not the, uh, not, not correct, uh, but... Uh, Oh, I think uh, I think maybe we'll see one or one or two of them on the uh, on a future season. I just have this uh, that'd be cool. S- this strange feeling that uh, they'll be uh, they'll be unmasked either next season or or one of the following ones. Mm, I like that. Uh, the sun. You got a guess on the sun? Who do I have for the sun? Um, that's the one with a really good voice, right? Yeah. Um, I'm getting like uh, it, it's it's clearly a very like a very well known singer, right? Um. And that was the one where they had like kind of like the lumberjack. Um, yeah, with the up, to, up to dying. I think it was the car cover, like yeah. the window cover. It looked like shades. But. I'm wondering if it's Carrie Underwood and then Mike Fisher. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm also kind of on that, uh, you know, Jewel, Christina Aguilera. Uh, it's it's someone very very well known, and uh, you know, because their their performances are just. I, mean, I got they, Demi Lovato. Um, there was a Mickey Mouse. She was with the Disney shows. Uh, they talked about deep depression, which she dealt with. 
Uh, she had mentioned something about a broken home. Her parents are divorced. The the, the postcards kind of threw me off. I, I was thinking Carrie Underwood because the postcard with Baltimore had a lobster. So I was like, oh, maybe it was, you know, Baltimore had just played New England on Sunday Night Football. She right. sings that song that yeah. week. Yeah. But uh, then I was like, ah, none of the other clues really matched up for me. But the, the Mexico por- uh, postcard, her dad's Mexican descent, as well as it looked like a castle. So Disney castle there. And... Uh, I think the final clue was like a gold record and she had a gold record with neon lights. So I just, I keep thinking it's Demi Lovato popcorn. Uh, I'm sticking with Cindy Lauper. Uh, there was a clue football, but, uh, that thick New York accent and that final SmackDown, um, it just sounded like Cindy Lauper singing the Brian Adams song. And of course, I mean, she had the hair, hair crimper and Rubik's cube, which were staples in the eighties. And that was kind of where she made her mark. But, I can't remember who you had for popcorn. Uh, I melt. I like mel- mine with melted butter. And <laughs> um, no, I actually. Uh, do I even have a name down here for popcorn? I I can't remember if you did. I had Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, another another guess. You know, for if if son, I'm thinking maybe Leon Rhymes. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's had some dramatic. She had gold. Yeah. Albums for sure. So yeah, very talented group though. That's for sure. Hundred uh, percent. Next week we get into Group B as the those battle for two spots in the top six: Crocodile, Serpent, and Seahorse. So uh, we'll be back next week with our thoughts on that one. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Moncton Wildcast, and Instagram, Wildcast Podcast. We've got a quick question because we don't really have a lot of news and notes around the queue, so we're gonna mix it up with the quick question. Uh, the Wildcats had the pink and the rink jerseys this last weekend. Which were very nice. Were they the Were they the nicest they've ever had for you? They're the nicest uh, uh, yeah. that they've had since I've been here. Yeah. But um, really, really good job. Moncton uh, had some good ones back in the day with the black and yeah. But these are definitely the best. Yeah, uh, they have ever had. Yeah, um, just hit it, hit it way out of the park. They were super nice, uh, and I'm not usually one to bid on jerseys, but mm-hmm. I actually. You know, went in, went in on my boy Jake Stewart's jersey, yep. but uh, didn't uh, didn't come home with it. So no, I went in on uh, Connor Olson, got it started, didn't uh, didn't come away with it. They kept advertising it out of the game. I'm like, shh, just let it happen. Yeah. Um, and then Monday had the Adidas retro reversal. So just for fun, I mean, other than the Flames and the Oilers, because we both like their jerseys, I really did like the the Calgary Flames. I think mm-hmm. that the blasty horses dragon horse thing is kind of cool. Um, what are your top three? Uh, Calgary, obviously. Um, other than Calgary, other other than Calgary, yeah. uh, I got a Colorado. Colorado's is the best. I mean, that's going to be such a huge seller. Yeah. Um, I like the throwback Ellie King's purple. Um, and uh, you know, you can't go can't go wrong with the with the Kachina look, the purple, uh, for the for the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favorite. Yeah, your three worst. Oh, um, I'll let you stew on that. I'll give you my best. Uh, yeah. Colorado's up there. Mm-hmm. Um, the Whalers. Mm-hmm. It's the single best logo they've in in the NHL. Um, and Tampa Bay. I just like that old. I like the old school look that they had. So it, for me, it'd be it'd be Tampa Bay as my as my third favorite. Yeah, Detroit's by far the worst. Detroit's it's, easily it's, the worst. It's just a practice jersey. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of the of the uh, uh, San Jose. I don't like San Jose. No, Gray. San, nice San Jose, uh, St. Louis. Not a big. Not a. No, 
So I, I would say like San, like St. Louis, San Jose, and and Detroit are my three least favorite. Uh, mine is the Leafs. That that just like I like the older look, but the logo just looks like you stopped at Pearson Airport and picked it up. You know, yeah, on your way a, out. It is the logo's a little big, and the yeah. the word the words are weird. Um, Detroit's in there, and then it's a tie between Columbus, which doesn't really have a retro, and it's kind of eh, and Detroit. But mm. I mean, with like Detroit and Toronto, their old schools are basically the same color. So how many variations can you have a red and a white? Mm. Um, I think I I think they were going for the Centennial look and reversing it, but yeah, it was just not good. The Islanders looked awfully plain. Um, so Vegas red ones aren't too bad. I thought Buffalo was pretty sharp too with, with that role reversal, but hit us up on the old social medias. Let us know what you think about, uh, about jerseys. And now it's hopefully we get some euros in soon. Getting tired of this getting, I mean, the fans like it, I think, but, uh, we're running out of facts to be honest with you. Uh, let's go to the fan fun facts about Slovenia and Russia. Well, here we are again. Here we are again. Never thought it would take this long. We're really starting to dig to the bottom of the barrel on these ones now. We're grinding. We're grinding. So we go to Slovenia, folks, where they like to dress up. Uh, To celebrate or scare away the end of winter, Slovenians wear, conveniently enough, masks, (laughs) traditional masks or costumes. In a ritual called Kurintovanji. Yep, that's it's called Kurintovanji. That's yeah, you're close. Okay, perfect. Which again, forty nine dialects, yeah, forty six dialects, which has been going on for Kurvin Kurintovanji has been going around for f- more than fifty years. So, um, moving over to another beautiful country of of Russia. Did you know, Adam? I didn't. That it is a tradition to wear your wedding ring on your right hand. Hmm. So countries like Ukraine, Poland, Georgia. The Georgia was a state. Must be a country, too. That's <laughs> a country, too. Germany, <laughs> Spain, Austria, India, and Greece have a similar tradition of wearing the wedding ring on the right hand. So if you were to marry a girl from Georgia, would she, like... I'm gonna wear my wedding ring on the white, white, the right, right. the white hand, the right hand, <laughs> and I would have on the left. Yeah, that's weird. Because isn't the big thing about it that this, the ring finger, like, is attached to the heart? Is that like why it's on the left hand? I think so. So why would they? Put, man, these countries are messed up. <laughs> Anyways, there we go, folks. Another episode of uh, fun facts about Slovenia and Russia. Join us again next week where we. Literally try to find something <laughs> interesting about these two countries, which are we are clearly running low on. Um, Get the heroes here. Yes, please <laughs> do something. Uh, I'm sure they're working on it. Weekly Rewind. All right, we're going to switch the order up a little bit because uh, we got a friend of the show, Jamie Tozer from Station Nation, coming in here in just a bit. Uh, to discuss the sea, how the Sea Dogs got back into this mini series, as he tweeted, uh, with a couple of victories. So we're going to move to Saturday, Jeremy. We're going to talk about the pink in the rink. The Wildcats got a huge bounce back victory over the Titans. Um, this 24 hours between the Friday night in, in St. John and the Saturday in, in Moncton literally is a microcosm of this season. 
Um, 9-4, like they said, it got away from them. They couldn't stem the tide. They couldn't stop it. Uh, I think Dan LaCroix was quoted as saying it just guys got tight, didn't know what to do. Um, but they came in Saturday, and it looked like they renewed the we're going to get in front of DLC and stop all pucks, block shots. It was a defensive game, never – you know, they didn't stop trying to block shots all game, and I think, you know, they were rewarded with a victory. The final st- uh, count on the stats is 41 shots, um, but that literally – it literally felt that they were 60. Yeah. Like, they were, they were like, just generating shots uh, left and right. Uh, and, I mean, you're, that's going to happen. I mean, Bathurst still has a pretty young, def- uh, young defense, but, I mean, so do we. Right, and that's uh, so that's it's getting cr- even younger now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so like, to put up, you know, forty-one shots, it's you can't you can't go wrong with that. Uh, and the effort was there. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out how Lotion got credited for the second goal. Yeah, uh, I thought Dao got it. I'm still literally, I think, to I'm literally looking at the highlight right now, and I still don't understand. Um, I'm thinking maybe. Uh, if I look at it again here, I'm wondering if it actually went, did Lane Hinkley kick it in? Let's see. Yeah. I'm just kind of, that's the only thing. It I looks can, like Dowd tipped it from a weird angle unless. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing I can think of if it went off Hinkley's leg. Okay. I actually come to think of it. I just slowed it down a little bit. It does look as if it goes, it looks as if Dowd kind of backhands it in, but. Right. Um, now they look at it in slow motion. It looks like it might have gone off uh, Hinkley's uh, leg and in. So, but either uh, way, that was exactly what this team needed. Two weird. I mean, two goals is great. Yeah. Two weird goals, good bounces in your favor, mm-hmm. and you could just see the momentum coming. Yeah, and that's sometimes that's what you need to, to turn around a game, and that's uh, or you know you flip the script. Flip the script. Script. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, want to put it that way, because yeah, that that game Friday night was a you know trailer trash. It was it was uh, garbage. Uh, and they, uh, I know they, they came into the rink on Saturday morning, had a team meeting and, you know, talked about it a little bit and, and, uh, you know, got the job done Saturday night. It, uh, I mean, you look at the shot 16, six, I think it was like 12, two at one point, just Moncton was coming in waves and it was because they were using defense to offense. And that's exactly what this team needs to do. I thought DLC played really well. Um, I Asenza got his first in the queue, Francisco. So that's fun to say. Well, it's, almost, <laughs> it's almost that time of the year for that movie. <laughs> it is almost time of that year. I didn't really search for that uh, that gift there. Um, but I thought I I was a little shocked that they went back to DLC because I had a few people ask me, like, why it's 6, 7, 3, 8, 3, whatever it was Saturdays. It was getting away. Why wasn't DLC pulled? My only thought was because Sheehan was going to play Saturday night. Um, he didn't worked out yeah the decision worked out and Mm -hmm. and i think maybe dan was just like you know what this got out of hand it's not on him let's give him a chance to rebound it wasn't on him uh wasn't on him at all um but again it's something i i I was kind of in the same boat as you i thought it was going to be a saturday would be a a Sheehan game uh but then to think about it and you know it's like you don't want to put in a you know, in a game that's out of hand, mm-hmm. uh, the last thing you want to do is put a young goalie in, yeah. and you know, um, ruin his confidence. And I uh, thought that maybe that was maybe why they were gonna like not pull him right after those four goals in like two minutes, but third period, give him time to get his mind around. Okay, you're going in. Mm-hmm. 
this and that, but you're bang on with that. Yeah, uh, it just you know some things are uh, you you don't you, you come up with something and you're like okay well it should be his game, but you have to look at it kind of differently. Some sometimes think outside the box, and that's uh, you know I I think that's where the decision came is that you don't want to put Nick Sheehan in a game where you know it's out of hand and you know he let's say he you know lets in a, a soft one and. You know, is he? You don't want to. You don't. You don't want to ruin a young goaltender's confidence, and right. uh, I think that was the mindset there. Yeah, and uh, you know, now we're gonna flip it back and talk about a couple games that took her place earlier in the week with friend of the show from Station Nation, Jamie Tozer. Jamie, how are you? Pretty good. How are you guys? Oh, living the dream. Living the dream. Chatting hockey. It's true. That's all you can do. I thought you were gonna. No, nope, man, this is your show, dude. You're the host, right? You you're made the host, it look like man. You were gonna move. Uh, Sorry, so, just... In, just in the mood. Um, yeah, a couple big wins for for St. John, getting back into the uh, the two three two series, as you uh, you tweeted out four uh, two victory and nine four. Um, which of those four games, you know, the two in Moncton, the two in St. John, which of those four are the closest to what St. John was expected to be? <laughs> well, I, I'd like to say that uh, that nine four game, but uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure yet. <laughs> um, but I think I think we saw signs in that nine four game. That's kind of the different things that we thought we'd see this year, right? Yep. Um, um, you know, they dominated the puck possession at times. They were, you know, not not the best team defensively, but they were good enough to get the job done. Uh, decent goaltending. Um, obviously, had the offense going. Um, so definitely that's by far the game of all the games they played this so far this season, the most promising, uh, which I think most people would agree with given the score. Um, but even on the ice, I mean, they were, they definitely looked like a team that won that game nine, four. So, this, uh, obviously, you know, Sea Dogs didn't get off to a, a tremendous start to the, to the season, but, uh, you know, seven, seven points and, uh, seven out of eight possible points in the, you know, the last four games. Uh, is this the the turning of the corner, or uh, should fans maybe wait until uh, a couple wins over Charlottetown to to start uh, start getting excited? I definitely think um, it could be the start of turning the corner. Um, and the reason I say that, and the reason I'm also a little bit hesitant, is because uh, you know the Sea Dogs should be beating the Wildcats, the Sea Dogs should be beating the Mooseheads, the Sea Dogs should be beating um, a lot of the teams in the division, uh, but they haven't done that this season. So I think uh, it's a good sign to see them finally starting to turn the corner and beating the teams that they should beat. Um, but now we just need to see um, how good they compare against um, Bathurst, if you consider Bathurst a contender now or at this point, um, but especially against Charlottetown, like you said. I think you almost have to consider Bathurst a contender, although they've kind of fallen back to the the pack mm-hmm. of four. Um, I talked to you on, I can't remember which game it was we saw. So one of the home games, um, you know, Jeremy and I had talked about it. Pat Noden, Creed Jones. We thought it would be Creed Jones coming in uh, as, they, as they made the move for him, but it looks like Pat Noden's taking most of the starts. Uh, I don't know what the split's at right now, but I mean, he got the two, the last two against him. Is it is it Pat Noden's uh, Pat Noden's net? It's it's been an interesting story to follow because um, you know since the draft, the Sea Dogs have said. Um, when they acquired an overage goaltender, that this was going to be a platoon situation. It sounded like this was going to be um, a 50-50 split between Patno and whoever they decided to go with. Um, and they wanted a veteran in that so that Patno could learn 
Um, and also Pat and O had a, a rough stretch. They'd have someone uh, with some experience in net that they know that could uh, could handle the job. Uh, but Pat has definitely been the better of the two. And, um, you know, I think he's clearly shown that he's capable of being number one goaltender. Um, but I think the Sea Dogs are probably still a little bit hesitant to just hand him the reins. I think they like having um, a veteran there for Pat to lean on and just to work with and talk to. Um, but, you know, I think I think all things considered, this is probably um, an ideal situation for St. John because I think they – um, going into the season, if you had told them that Patno would run with the number one role, they'd be ecstatic. Um, but now it kind of leaves an interesting situation where um, you're using an overage spot on a guy who's falling into the backup role. Um, so I think that kind of creates some some question marks as to what uh, what might happen for the second half. So let's continue on with that. Like uh, let's let's just say uh, you know Patno continues with his uh, you know his hot play, if you want to put it that way. Uh, where does that put St. John in the, you know, next month, uh, and into January with the trade period? Is that, uh, is that an opportunity for them to maybe upgrade, uh, a 20 year old spot up front or on the back end and, uh, just say, you know, thanks for knowing you Creed Jones. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's such an interesting question because I, I honestly don't know what route the CEDOs are going to take with that because, um, like I said, the CEDOs, I think are, are, very much want Patno to have a guy uh, with some experience in the league um, to lean on and to work with, um, and to know that if he has a rough stretch, there's a guy there that can that can take over and, and run with it for a bit if he needs to. Um, I think ideally it would make a lot of sense for the Cedars to not have an overage backup goaltender, um, obviously. But um, you know, it's such a it's such a weird season that um, finding a guy with experience. Um, that isn't an overager who can come to St. John, who kind of fills in that role. Just a guy who who checks all the boxes. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that or not. Um, but ideally, um, that that 20-year-old situation would open up, and they'd be able to to find uh, another player up front or on the back end. Getting away from the uh, you know the hockey talk, uh, some St. John news that kind of I guess caught some people off guard was. Uh, the signing of of Simon Hughes. Uh, where do you see him uh, kind of fitting into the lineup? Yeah, that was. Uh, that, I mean, obviously a surprise for everyone. I think um, kind of kept quiet that he had, had left um, U.S. prep school, but I definitely see him probably being on a, a similar similar role that we've seen um, Leighton Carruthers do this season. Kind of a fourth, third line type guy um, that can uh, probably won't play a ton. Uh, probably be a healthy scratch here and there, but. Uh, a guy that I think uh, will be given the opportunity to, to move his way up to the lineup if he plays well. Um, but again, you know, like I talked about with you guys before, this is just a, kind of another sign that the Sea Dogs are really trying to uh, stretch this competitive window um, past 2022 and into 2023. So that uh, that core group that's um, you know 16 and 17 now is looking looking pretty good down the road. So uh, we'll see. I guess just one last one before you get out of here. Uh, sea Dogs. I mean, it's a tale of two two arenas. They're five and two and one at home. Oh uh, three two and one. They still haven't won a road game. Uh, put your prediction hat on. When does it happen? They got three three on the road here over the next couple of days. Uh, Cape Breton, Charlottetown, and Bathurst. I mean, they're in Cape Breton tomorrow or tonight. So um, when 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 does the first road win happen? Oh, I think it. I think it'll happen during this stretch. I, I think it'll happen either either. Tonight in Cape Breton or that Sunday game in Bathurst. Um, you know, I'd like to see it happen tonight, but the Sea Dogs—they've struggled 
um, all the time in, in Sydney, and they've had some some pretty epic uh, <laughs> epic late game collapses <laughs> there over the past couple of years. So, uh, fingers crossed they can turn that around. But I'm I'm not holding my breath about that. But they've played the Teton pretty tight this season, um, quite a few times. Um, so I could definitely see it happening there. And, and you know, like we said at the uh, at the beginning of the show, it's the Teton. They're they're still sitting second in the division, but they're starting to slow down a little bit. So. Um, you know, I think a, a win against Bathurst on Sunday would at least kind of show that they're on on even par with uh, with the Teton a little bit. Um, I I had that game on Friday in Charlottetown. I actually have a post coming up on the blog on Thursday. The Sea Dogs have not won a game in Charlottetown in over three years, um, so I I don't know if that's going to happen on Friday or not. But uh, I I think it's a long shot. Wasn't that yeah? That's like thirteen games or something you had tweeted yeah. out. Yep. Yep, it's been October sixth or seventh, twenty seventeen, I think. <laughs> that's uh, that's quite the impressive stat. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all for us on on the uh, recap and the games. Uh, looking forward to St. John a little bit uh, in the season. You want to throw any smack talk towards Pat McNeil? We're gonna have him on in a little bit. A little media smack talk or no? Uh, I'm trying to think. That I saw Pat. Uh... The other day, uh, when he was in town, I I don't think he said anything too offensive to me. So uh, <laughs> I, won't, I I don't have anything. <laughs> I know you know what I, he I know he likes um, Halloween music. He mentioned that um, the Cedars were he was there at the Halloween game, and the Cedars were playing some really good Halloween music. So maybe ask him what his uh, favorite Halloween jam is. All right, <laughs> we can definitely <laughs> do that for you. All right, uh, thanks for taking the time tonight, Jamie. Appreciate it. No worries, guys. Anytime. Again, big thanks to uh, to Jamie Tozer. Man, 13 games they haven't won on the island. Now, St. John hasn't been very good for the past two years, but three years ago, they were 2017, they were pretty good, were they not? I can't, I, I didn't even know that. No, right. I, I remember That's... reading it when he had it, uh, one of the earlier games they lost. I read it as 13 years they hadn't won. I was like, what? But, yeah, three years. I guess the uh, Islanders do a good, do- good, do- good job of protecting the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> hey <Hey-o. laughs> All right. View from the other bench. Well, it's uh, it's that time to look ahead now. Uh, and finally, a team we haven't seen since the preseason, Jeremy. We got the Eagles coming in for back-to-back games Friday and Saturday. So we're not just going to talk about that game. We have to bring in friend of the show and play-by-play voice of the Cape Breton Eagles, Pat McNeil. Patty, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, and I actually have to do some digging to know if the Eagles-Wildcats is the last maritime matchup that hasn't taken place yet. I would bet that it might be. Yeah, because we've been to Halifax, but they haven't been here. Yeah, we've uh, we've seen everybody else, and actually we've been to every rink, and I believe we've had everybody in our rink uh, except for Moncton. So uh, looking forward to seeing somebody different, although because of the pandemic, I actually ended up commentating the preseason game. So not quite my first look at Moncton, but uh, still be fun to see them in the regular season. We're a much uh, much different team. We're going to get the Jamie Tozer question out of the way. Uh, you know, you heard there we brought you on with the the Monster Mash. He was he was saying you were commenting on being a big Halloween music guy in, in the rink for those Halloween games. Just uh, what's your favorite Halloween tune? Well, that's a good one. I think the, the kind of the classic is uh, Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. And it's <laughs> funny because I said this in another tweet that wasn't related to Halloween that you know, for as extensive as Michael Jackson's music career is, that one vocal and that song might be the best thing he's ever done. 
because it's just so good. But I give credit to uh, John Quinn and St. John, the comms coordinator there. They uh, they did some digging and they came up with some like songs that are Halloween songs, but you don't really think of like uh, Trick or Treat by Fastway. I hadn't heard that in a while. Oh, nice. Hey, that's good. There's good attention to detail. I really like that. And a presentation like that's important, even if there's not as many people in the ring. Yep. Pat McNeil clearly knows a lot about music. He's always <laughs> the uh, the draft, uh, you know, the playlist, uh, the draft playlist guy. And... I, well, yeah, before you go on, Jeremy, you, you have to appreciate this year, it actually made its way into the broadcast because for my 10 questions feature, uh, the trivia, I asked players trivia about themselves, and I asked Jeremy Langlois, what his walk-up song was when he was drafted in Quebec City, and he did know the answer, so I was uh, I was encouraged by oh, that. There you go. What hey. was it? Uh, it was "Me" by uh, Taylor Swift and uh, Brandon Urie. He couldn't remember the artist though; he knew the song, but he couldn't uh. remember the artist. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a typical uh, typical song, but that's that's what everyone loves about the uh, the Q draft. So yeah, like we said, last maritime matchup. Um, I mean, the Eagles play the St. John Sea Dogs tonight, uh, but you know. For when this was recorded, you're coming into town, 6-8, and eight, which, again, could change. Uh, you know, last in the division, but tied with Moncton for that last spot. I guess just what's the Eagles' season look like so far? Well, kind of similar to the division as a whole, really kind of up and down, win one, lose one. And the stat, I think, that sums it up to me is this year the Eagles have not been on any three-game winning streaks and they haven't been on any three-game losing streaks. I know we're early on, but still, that's a bit of a statistical anomaly. We've mainly had these two-game sets with teams, and it's been rare to see a sweep either way. We swept Bathurst once. We were swept by Bathurst once, and then there was two games in Charlottetown where I think when Charlottetown was playing at their best, you kind of saw why they are the top team in the division. We look at this Eagles team, I think, coming into the year. Everybody knew it was a team that top players were among some of the best in the division. Top-heavy team, not in the sense that the players at the bottom of the lineup are bad. It's just that those are your raw players that are still – you know, finding their way in the queue and, and top heavy and maybe that, you know, your top six might not be as deep as some other teams is, is uh, kind of the way it goes. And you're looking at the, you know, the two really good 20 year olds on the back end, but then there's not a ton of experience past that. So I think it's kind of what we expected it to be. And it, maybe it comes good for us in a year to not be as experienced in a year where the division as a whole isn't as experienced. It seems like the last couple of years we've been talking about how the balance of power has been in the East, but I think the Maritimes is maybe taking a step back this year, but by no means has it been unentertaining to watch. And there are still some uh, fun players and, and teams to watch around the division. And I think we have some of those in Cape Breton. We just would like to get in the wind column a little bit more, but it's still early on in the season. So with this being the first, uh, first two meetings uh, against the uh, the Eagles this season, uh, you know, we're familiar with the team from last year, but uh, who would you say is taking the biggest step forward uh, from uh, from last year's team? Well, I think uh, Liam Kidney and Connor Trenholm certainly stand out as names in that respect because they're both playing on the second line. And, you know, both Trenholm was a rookie last year. He had, didn't have any goals in his rookie season. And Kidney's always been, you know, primarily used in a checking role. Those would be two guys who've taken a step forward. We knew Logan Kelly Murphy was going to play a lot more. He was an 18-year-old rookie last year on a team that had five 19-year-olds in the blue line, so he's playing a lot more. Jeremy Langlois getting a lot more ice time as well. And I mean, you see the warts that come with the trying to add offense to his game in the second season, but you also see you know, the high-end skill that a first-round draft pick has. So those would be some of the guys who are playing a lot more. And then, obviously, the rookies are getting their chances, especially, and I'm sure it's the same in Monk, it's probably the same everywhere, that the rookies around the league are playing a lot more than usual because of the lack of imports. You look in Cape Breton, you know, you have 19 skaters, and luckily we've been healthy, 
but Jake Grimes coaching has been pretty much rotating maybe six guys out of the lineup and only one of them is out on a given night. So you look at a guy like Davis Cooper, who's, you know, a good, hardworking seventh round pick, you know, usually he might be in out, in out. He's only missed one or two games this year. So that's been the case for all the rookies. And I, I said, I haven't had the chance to look at the numbers around the league, but that's probably the case for most teams just because of the way uh, roster compositions work this year. We had you on the preseason. We talked about the, the young decor, uh, the young back end of the decor. I mean, you got Baker, Langlois, uh, the Rose, but just talk about the three, how the three rookies uh, in the five, six or four, five, six spot, uh, Buto, Welsh, and uh, and Jacob Squires. Like, how have they accustomed to the to the Q game? I think it's been fine. I mean, as as a group, probably almost stronger individually than the team has been as a group defensively, if that makes any sense. And that's right. just probably growing things that come with a young developing team. Buto's probably been the the standout in that respect, just because he was a fifth round pick, and you didn't uh, you know didn't expect what you've seen from him. He's even seeing at a time on the power play, but there's definitely you know definitely a little bit raw, and you'll see sometimes depending on the stakes of the game that maybe the team will tighten up the defense a little bit in terms of you know the top four play a little bit more. Uh, but you know every now and then too, when there's seven D, they'll also get the opportunity to play with the veterans. So I think that helps the development. So I, I'm not going to say any of them have blown me away. Uh, so to speak, but no one is looking out of place either. But I think it's more the team collectively has had games where they've had defensive issues. And I think some of that too, like if you look at the scores, the, the goals for goal, the goals against hasn't been overly flattering, but that's a, kind of a byproduct of a couple of losses where the game gets away. And then, you know, the goals just kind of pile up and, you know, maybe it's a night you don't get the best goaltending, but I don't, uh, I don't say any of the three rookies really have looked like uh, slam dunks to be star defensemen in the league, but I don't think any have been out of place. Uh, either in the queue, which I think is kind of what we expected to, you know, no offense to any of them, particularly Welsh, I think was a second round pick, but, you know, mm-hmm. these are not the uh, guys who are top five in the draft or anything, but I think they're all going to have a good queue careers, but it's just uh, like everybody else. It's, it's just a matter of time uh, waiting for that development to happen. Welsh, that name that he'll probably get it figured out pretty quickly. If he's anything like his, uh, his two brothers, you mentioned goaltending there. Um, you know, I'm just looking at it. We kind of expected William Grimard to, take the reins and and play a lot of the games uh looking at the stats you know games are eight eight goals against average are both in the fours for both goaltenders uh ruchia has got a couple more wins but is it because you're playing two game sets you're getting each guy's getting a game or is it just no one's really said you know what this is my cage you got to earn it it's it's mine well it's interesting william gamar is actually coming off lower body injury so ruchia had to start five games in a row oh okay but to your point, though, what was happening was it kind of was that start one each during the weekend, but then they wanted to give Grimaro a couple of starts in a row to give him, you know, so he could really feel like a starter. And then as luck would have it, as soon as they they do that, he ends up getting injured shortly after. But I do think Ruchi has kind of shown enough in the games he's been really good where he could potentially challenge for that starting spot. So it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, plays out throughout the throughout the rest of the season. I think with Kramar, you knew you weren't going to be getting one of the top goalies in the league. I don't think anybody expected him to be, you know, pushing for the top three, top five. But you were hoping he was going to be a solid starter, and it's, it's kind of still too early based on how many starts he's had to see whether that can be the case. But it, you know, it can be tough to evaluate a goaltender. Like for example, the game in Charlottetown on Saturday. You look at the stats. I think it might have been thirty-eight shots. 
for Charlottetown and the Eagles allow four goals. I mean, you know, you look at a game like that, Kramer's technically under the 900 mark, but I thought he played really well. He had a lot of good saves, right? So, right. you know, and there's been other games where he's let go of some goals that I'm sure he would like to have back. At Ruccia, it's been like that as well, but you pretty much expect that. I mean, you know, you guys follow junior hockey uh, long enough to know 16-year-old goaltenders that very rarely uh, dominate night in and night out in this league. I mean, I can tell you even Flurry was like that when he played here at 16, and at least say the same. Uh, so I, you know, Kevin's been too disappointed in that respect uh, with Rucci, and he's really, uh, really certain to come on strong. I think the last couple times we've seen him. So, uh, to to your point, I think the even split thus far has mainly been because of that uh, stretch of games that Grammar has been injured. But we've seen enough flashes of Rucci that it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could challenge Grammar for for job uh, for the job uh, going forward. But I guess uh, time will have to tell. Like I said, hopefully we have them uh, both healthy. Uh, long enough to get a, a good gauge on that and knock on wood actually uh, Grammar's injury has been the only real one of substance that the Eagles have suffered this year so hopefully that uh, good health is another trend that continues so are we going to get to see both of them this weekend do you think I would predict yes all right we, we won't take much I'm gonna I'm gonna end the segment because I don't get to end segments very uh, very right. often unless you have any other questions uh I get you know I made Jamie have a prediction so I'll make you put your prediction hat on when does uh Zach Welsh get his first goal that's a good question. Um, hey, he is more of a defensive-minded D, but you know sometimes these things, uh, these things you just can't really predict. Uh, like you know, Matt Lint we had as a free agent last year, and he ended up uh, getting a goal in his first few months. I'll say uh, he'll, you know, don't say this weekend. Hoping that the schedule <laughs> goes as as uh, as it does, I'll say he'll get it before February. All right. No pressure, Zach. If you're <laughs> I never get to end uh, end segments, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this one and, and kind of and uh, you know just just to, just to say I did it. One thing, Pat, that's really impressed me with the Cape Breton is the special teams, and uh, I, I got to say, you guys are running at uh, what is it, eighty four point three percent of the penalty kill. So uh, what's what's a higher percentage here uh, going into this weekend, uh, the Cape Breton Eagles penalty kill or the chances of you going downtown Moncton Friday night? <laughs> well, it's a pandemic. I don't know what the, the Friday night scene's looking like in Moncton these days. I, I mean, Bring your mask. It'd be nice to see you guys and other people that I want to see in Moncton. So I, I don't know. I think uh, I think the downtown uh, is, is still a higher percentage. But you know, <laughs> we got to stay safe in these trying times, Jeremy. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. <laughs> All right, that is a perfect way to end the segment. So if you see Pat out and about on Friday night, uh, you know, don't be afraid to say hi. Right. Absolutely not. Like I said, I don't. Uh, I don't know what it's like there. I know in Nova Scotia, I think uh, things are generally kind of shut down at twelve. I haven't been out and about as much uh, uh, with everything that's going on, and you know, trying to trying to put a lot of work into the broadcast. You know, every now and then, if you're especially if you're in a place where you don't get to see friends often, you know, I will say this though. I the I don't know if they've changed it in the last few days, but in PEI, they didn't have the the mask rule in effect when I went over there, and it was actually really weird. I. I'd be instinctively putting up my ma- putting on my mask. I was just out with some friends on a Thursday and put off put up my mask when I uh, got up from the table, and I was just noticing other people weren't wearing them, and it was actually kind of jarring. So it just kind of kind of tells you where we're at in 2020. Yeah, they uh, they implemented the mandatory mask, but they're not going to enforce it. I guess was Wendy's tweet. So I don't really know what that means. Maybe okay. it's self. I think that's where we were in Nova Scotia a little yeah. while ago, but so we'll, we'll we'll monitor the situation to see if that changes. All right, man. Well, we'll let you get out of here. You got to get uh, get ready for tomorrow's game and or tonight's game, I guess, against St. John, and then hit the road. So, again, always good to uh, to talk to you, and can't wait to see a new team uh, in this uh, weird little season we're having. 
All right. Well, thanks, guys. Me as well. It'll be uh, fun. To, it's fun that even in the, as small as the league is this year, we're still getting a new opponent uh, this late in November. So looking forward to it myself. Oh, man, it is always good to uh, to catch up with the Pat McNeil um, doing his thing on the island. It, it's very weird that in a season where we're only playing the same six teams, five teams, we're seeing Cape Breton for the first time this early. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I, I do want to say though, uh, I'm not I'm not sure who you uh, reached out to within the Eagles organization right. to have Pat McNeil on the show, but uh, because we know it's uh, you have to have approval to have members of uh, of of a, of a team come on a podcast. So uh, whoever it is, Adam, that you reached out to within the Eagles organization to have Pat on the show, we we do appreciate uh, that individual, um, you know, allowing him to uh, to talk to us. And I would love to tell you who it was I reached out to, but I can't. Going to keep that so I can have them on uh, later on in the year um, to keep us updated on the Eagles. And, uh, yeah, so everyone's favorite time of the show. Eric Murray Realty. Buy a house from him. Stick tap of the week. So it's been a while since I talked about food, <laughs> uh, yeah, which is yeah. surprising. Um, but we're going to end that streak. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, check out Rosano's um, and... It's been around for a while, uh, but in my uh, my lifetime of living here in Moncton, I had never gone. Um, so I went there for the for the first time. Let me tell you something. This place is good. Uh, if you, uh, I love Italian food. I have a, my body is made of Italian food. Uh, I you know my p- p- pizza, pasta, you name it, I love it. Uh, but this place is, uh, so you get two locations in Moncton, Ma- Mapleton Road on the, co- really kind of in the corner of Mountain and Mapleton and in Dieppe, um, just in front of the mall. Uh, if you haven't been there, you got to place, check this place out. It's so, it's so good. And so I don't want to say cheap, but it's cost efficient. That's a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think they make any money on their booze because you can get like a 16 ounce draft for five bucks which is, I mean, I'm sure they make money on it, but you go to any other restaurant, a 16-ounce draft is like 8 bucks. Right. And so the pricing is really good, and it's all local too. Like their beer their, their beer on tap is from the tire shack down the road. Uh, so, so good. Yeah. So, I mean, and we are in a pandemic here, and, you know, um, the economy's taking a hit, and the only way for, you know, the economy to rebound is if we go out and support our small businesses – um, so if you're going to, you know, if you're out, if you're hungry, don't go to the subways, don't go to the McDonald's, you know, don't go to the Burger Kings, go grab a burger at like, uh, at like a sports rock or a Rosano's or, uh, you know, a five bridges and review support, support these small businesses and, uh, you know, make sure, let's make sure that they can, uh, keep their doors open. That is, uh, that's an excellent stick tap. Do you mind if I get in on the, the stick tap, uh, stick tap the thing? Deux point, the stick tap <laughs> Whatever he said, I'm going to give this a, a shot. Uh, yesterday was World Premature Day, um, November 17th. This is a, you know, I know that, Jeremy, it's a cause that's near to you because um, you're Megan. What? Megan's Yes, so nephew, right? my... Yeah, Megan's sisters, my uh, my sister in law, but my yeah, my niece and nephew um, were born at uh, twenty seven weeks, and uh, at uh, Mount Sinai in Toronto. Yeah. yeah, ironically enough, they were born on World Prematurity Day. Oh, really? So like, uh, it's you know, it's just crazy, right? So, uh, yeah, go ahead. 
take over. Um, so as you know, a lot of you know, and for first time listeners, um, I never thought I'd be in this situation. Uh, Layla was pregnant and she gave birth to our baby boy Riker at 27 weeks, one day, uh, with emergency C-section. Um, I mean, he was in the OR for five days. Uh, unfortunately he's, he didn't, uh, he didn't make it. He passed away from a brain bleed, which again is nothing that, um, anything happened. It's, it's common with preemies. Um, but the stick tap is for, especially during this pandemic, uh, you know, all hospital workers that have to put their, you know, their life on the line to protect all of us. I mean, NICU doctors and nurses, um, day after day after day, they have to be on. There's no time off for them. Um, I don't have the names of the doctors because honestly, those five days were a blur. I don't really remember a whole lot. Um, but the doctors and the nurses that, uh, that took care of my baby boy, um, to the best of their ability and then showed up at Riker's funeral. Um, we had three of the main nurses show up at our, at, at Riker's funeral. Uh, I can never thank them enough for everything they did. You know, they treat the baby like it's their own. And in, in Riker's case, when, when they don't, when they don't make it, um, they've got to compartmentalize and move on to the next baby. And I don't know how they do it. Um, so it is a, a big stick tap to all of the doctors and nurses and especially the ones at, uh, at the hospital here in Moncton, um, that just took, took exceptional care of, of my baby boy and all of us and, and gave us everything that we needed. So to all the doctors and nurses, not only here in Moncton, but, uh, all over the world that, uh, that get up every day and try to try to save babies' lives, um, you know, big, big stick tap to, to you. The Stick Tap Week, sponsored by Eric Murray Real Estate with the REMAX Avante team. If you're looking to buy or sell a home in the greater Moncton or surrounding area, make sure to check him out on social media or give him a call at 506-863-8802. And now we get into a little bit of happier talk. Uh, the Wildcast Wildcat of the Week uh, was your guy, Mr. Boucher, your rookie of the year that you predicted. Uh, early on, you said this kid was going to be a star. Uh, it took him a little bit, but he's got a four-game point streak going. He's got three goals in the past three games uh, over the week. A little bit of a slow start in October, which is expected for a rookie coming into the league. Uh, it took him time to get his feet wet, but but he's rolling now. Um, doesn't look out of place. You know, his speed, his shot, everything everyone talked about is is something else. He's got five points in seven games. Uh, your Wildcast, Wildcat of the week is number 28, Yon Loshing. And that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thanks again to Jamie Tozer from Station Nation, Pat McNeil, the play-by-play voice of the Cape Breton Eagles, for joining us. Uh, thanks again for your support, all your downloads. You can join me on Instagram for the Wildcast Instacast post-game show, half hour after the final whistle. I'll answer your questions and get your feedback on the game as we get back-to-back games against the Eagles this Friday and Saturday. Jeremy now will be here next week to recap, uh, well, those games and look ahead to the Sea Dogs, Mooseheads, and again, the Eagles. Enjoy the games. Thanks again for your support. See you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Wildcast Podcast. Follow us on social media at Moncton Wildcast.